Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Coleman Had a Dream podcast. Uh, we've had a little summer break, and now that international football is back again, we too are back again. Uh, I'm joined with joined by Ruth, as always. Hi, Ruth. How are you doing? Hiya. Glad to, glad to be back, but I have to confess, I did, I did enjoy a few weeks without some football. I thought you were going to say you enjoyed a few weeks uh, without me then, which is obviously deeply, well, kind deeply of, offensive. It's kind of sort of one and the same, really. <laughs> <laughs> Glad for the peace and quiet. <laughs> but it was it was weird. There's not it, usually I find the summer hiatus a bit, in some respects, a bit annoying. But actually, I rather enjoyed switching off football this 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 summer gap, which uh, I think might say something about how all saturated we are at the minute. Yeah, I do know what you mean. I think it was after the Euros finished, I was quite glad to have a bit of a break. And obviously now uh, football has started back again. I wish we were back on a break, uh, given how badly Newcastle have started the season. Um, but I will say it has been great to go back to football again. Um, I've got a season ticket, as uh, some people might have seen on, on Twitter, at Ado Den Haag, which is like our the local team who are in the Dutch version of the championship, basically. And it is awful, but it's absolutely brilliant. And uh, it's so great to be back in football again, I've got to say. Yeah, no, I can, I can see the... the I, I thought the, um, the blog that you wrote was, was excellent, actually. Folks haven't caught up with that yet. But just, uh, just the funny things that you miss, the small little things. Uh, exactly. You know, trying to identify what flag is from where and why and, you know... Four beers after, you know who, who's the obnoxious fan? Who's the fun fan? You know all that sort of stuff. It's uh, it's it's just all part of the experience, isn't it? I think the likelihood is that I'm the obnoxious fan, which is uh, which is probably yeah, not I great. Was, I was. I was trying not to go there, but anyway. <laughs> Interestingly, they had um, a big Swansea flag there, um, a Swansea City flag as part of the ultra setup, a massive flag, um, and apparently the. Uh, a successful businessman from The Hague who's given money uh, to Ado Den Haag has also uh, previously invested in Swansea and so they'd had like um, uh, tie-ups there. So um, they played some kind of pre-season games or something and I think some Den Haag players ended up playing for Swansea. So they have a big Swansea flag waving at every match, which I thought was uh, pretty interesting. That's a nice little connection. Make you feel at home, sort of. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We are going tomorrow on the uh, the battle bus, as we've named it, to Breda to watch Adder and Hag away against Knack Breda. So there's three of us. Ant, who's uh, who's I, I mentioned before when when the Euros was on, uh, he's coming as is uh, a friend of ours here, Tiny Hands Tom. So we're going there. I'm just gonna. I'm trying to. I'm waffling a little bit. I'm trying to cover the noise. Shearer the dog uh, has been is just chewing some antlers, which is his new favourite thing, and it's he's kind of having a great time, just rattling around in his little cage, and he's kind of groaning and crying as he does it. He's having such a good time. So I'm trying to I'm trying to distract from the noise in the background. So apologies, listeners. We are back to our best as always. Um, <laughs> So let's actually talk about football. That's what uh, people have probably tuned in uh, to hear, not not me talking about Shear of the Dog. Um, we have started a new feature on the Colin Had a Dream podcast. We really want to have involvement from lots of different people uh, up and down the country, and we want to hear stories about different football clubs in Wales. And thank you to um, about 10 or so people who've already responded and, and got in touch to 
tell us about your club or your team. I just wanted to kind of give an insight into what the sort of thing we're going to do is. And, and again, just so people can get in touch. I just want to, I think we just want to hear stories about your football team, your football club, interesting things that have happened. We don't necessarily want to hear about the day that you, you know, won the Welsh Cup or something like that. I, I, I think I'm kind of interested in the, the side stories, if you like, about people who don't get credit or you know have done something interesting in your club maybe someone was set up the first girls team in your in your club or something like that so I just kind of wanted to give an example of something that happened to me um when I was a little bit younger well I say a little bit younger quite a lot younger now unfortunately um uh, about my team Sully Colts as it was Sully Sports now and Sully Sports I'm hoping is going to be one of the one of the teams we're going to hear from soon but uh, I played for Sully Sports, Sully Colts, when I was younger and then got into coaching and started coaching a team when I was 19. And I had a couple of different teams um, and some fantastic people who worked there. And I'm sure they don't listen, but I'll mention a few anyway, like Sandra Mullins and, and Joe Sherry, who are great, great people, did a, a lot of great stuff for that football club. Um, anyway, I basically got asked to take over a team who had never, ever won a game. And they had never won a game from under 10s and I was taking them um, at under 15s and they yeah they'd never won a game they'd never drawn a game they were uh, not very good at football they were a fantastic bunch of lads though and they turned up every single week and it didn't matter whether it was rain or shine they they were they were there all the time so much so much so that we ended up I, I ended up having 25 players come into training which for a team who've never won a game and lose every single time they play it was kind of nothing short of remarkable really um they're a fantastic bunch of lads and we had two games in our final season at under 16s uh before you football and it was obviously the end of the road for a lot of them and that those games were against atlantic major um Lovely little, lovely little ground. Is it called a windmill lane or something? Uh, anyway, um, uh, we went there and went one nil down, but came back and equalised. Got a, a great goal from a boy called Alex Wing. I'll never forget. And by sheer chance, a dad was video recording all the set pieces um, at the game, and we scored from a kind of rebound from a corner. So we have this brilliant video, which I'm going to post on our Twitter page tomorrow, um, of this this goal going in and the game finished 1-1 one, one is the first time since under 10s when they kind of started counting goals that these these boys hadn't lost and it was absolutely incredible like we had it was like a great scene so much fun um and i like if i still bump into some of the boys now uh, i still bump to a couple of them i don't know again if they listen but a boy called paddy wise who was a newcastle fan still living in panath now um he was my big center half good lad um Anyway, the the last game of the season then kind of got rescheduled and it kind of fell out that this, the home leg of the Lantwit Major game was going to be our last game of the season, but also our last game ever because, as I say, the, you know, there was no under-17s. So they had gone on to youth football then. So it was their last game ever together. And we went 1-0 down but came back to win the game 3-1. Um, Michael Harrison scored the first goal. He found a lucky penny in his boot one game. So he always played with a with a penny in his boot. Uh, and a boy called Ben Sarasale scored two other goals. I can see if I can dig out um, a photo we have uh, that we got taken after the match. And you know, loads of loads of the boys. on hopefully might see this on on Twitter. But just a fantastic team. And it was you know to come back and win your last ever game, but also the first ever game that you've ever won as a group was was just amazing, really. And 
it was uh, it was such a fun two years. You know, it was not always easy getting you know getting the odd spanking, but just a fantastic group of lads. So I, I tell this story because this is the sort of thing we're after. You know, I, I do want to hear obviously great things about different football clubs up and down Wales, but we also want to hear about funny stories or unique things that have happened and uh as i say you know people who you know don't get the the praise they deserve perhaps and people in the in the background who who deserve some credit so if you are one of those people or you want to tell us about your football team or your football club please 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 get in touch i've got about 10 people already lined up which i'm going to be in touch with in the next uh, in the next week or so to kind of see if we can set up some recording dates but um, we would love to hear from more of you and hopefully every time we do a podcast we are going to uh, feature a different team or club so please do get in touch as I say that's the sort of thing I'm talking about Ruth I, I, I sent you the video before we started recording um, what for my first my first question is um, you know did, uh, you, did you think it was a good finish <laughs> an excellent finish my favorite bit of the build-up is ev- every voice on the touchline is shoot yeah. shoot <laughs> which is it's like one, one of those um uh, sort of visceral things that happens at football games isn't it when you're yeah. when you're all on the same page and you're all trying to get that instruction across to the, to the team um much younger you, which which always still surprises me. Um, <laughs> but the the video the video is it, it's great. You can you can see that just that moment of joy when when the lads realise it's going in, and it's a good finish. Fair dues. Um, think, but I mean it's the it's the it's the background story that makes that story. Isn't it? it's the fact that those lads, as you said, you had twenty five of them turning up week after week when they knew they were probably going to be on the receiving end of a, a bad result each weekend. Yeah, that, that, and that was the thing. We had we ended up organising. We were Sully Colts B at the time, and one of the boys organised a Sully Colts C, and they even they ended up because they were there's a group of lads. You know, I was turning because the way the rules were at the time, you could and probably still are. You could only take sixteen kids to a game, so I had not you know pretty much ten lads every week coming to training who knew they probably weren't going to get to go to the game never mind play just even get to be on the bench um but they still turned up and there was a group of boys who were in the you know the most regulars if you like of the 10 who didn't get in and they um they set up Sully Colt C and they started training on their own away from us uh, as well as coming to our training sessions as well in in the hope that they could improve and uh, and and come you know and see if they could get into the squad it, they were just a brilliant brilliant group of lads uh, and we had so much fun doing it and some some brilliant memories that last game where we ended up winning which sounds which doesn't sound like it's a true story but it is um they there were about 200 people turned up because that story had kind of gone around the club it was these boys lads have a game and it was lads who'd played for them before and, and lads who'd coached them before um and you know the chairman of the club came out and you know there, there were about 200 people there when we scored the winning goal the third goal to win it 3-1 um there was a genuine pitch invasion <laughs> and the the referee came up to me and was just like you're gonna have to calm everyone down here because if this keeps happening i'm gonna have to cancel the match and i know what this is i know where we are with this i really don't want this to happen um but yeah the boy the boys won you know like team of the year at, at sully colts that year because of their efforts and then obviously winning their first ever points to finish the season on four points which was an amazing achievement for them so 
it was uh, it was really fantastic. I got to say, and they were and are a great bunch of lads. I still see some of them now and, and bump into them. And someone wished me happy birthday the other day uh, and still referred to me as coach and on Facebook sent me a message saying happy birthday, <laughs> coach, which I uh, I very much enjoyed. So, yeah, that's the sort of thing we're after. Um, there's one more person who, I, again, I, I keep saying I don't know if he listens. I should find out, really. But there's a guy called John Dobbins who uh, I'm sure some there's people who will listen to this will have heard of John Dobbins or were coached by John Dobbins Johnny Dobbs coached helped me a little bit and uh helped me a lot actually when I started doing it and was uh he's one of these people who just loved it he was super organized and he was always there wind rain or shine never cancelled anything never found an excuse not to go to something uh, uh he was a really really top man and a lovely family as well so uh he people like John Dobbins and the people who who keep kind of local club football going, grassroots football going. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Johnny Dobbs if he's listening. Um, anyway, people have not tuned in to to, to hear me reminisce about my uh, my finest moment as a football coach. Um, so so let's get back to uh, to why we are here, uh, which is to talk about the three upcoming games. Uh, we're going to talk about. The Finland friendly, the Belarus game, and the Estonia game, uh, and then the kind of things that have gone around that. I have talked for a hell of a long time, so I'm going to shut up. Um, my first question, Ruth, is obviously the squad was out this week. What are your thoughts on the squad? Um, to be honest, probably no real surprises. Um, the the folks that aren't involved. You know, the Matondo, Tom Lawrence of the world. Uh, there's explanations, whether it's Cabango with his uh, testing positive for COVID, unfortunately. Um, or, you know, obviously Connor Roberts is out injured. I think I think the one I still question is Luke Jeffcutt's omission. Um, I, I can, you know, he's with the 21s and I can, I can see the argument that he... He might be more important playing in that game than, you know, potentially sitting on the bench for for three of the seniors' games. But I, I think one of the things that we questioned continually in the lead up to the Euros and and during the Euros was was not really having a a, a keeper more kind of alternative. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we're still, I think we're still guilty of that. So I'm, di- I'm disappointed he's not included. Um, but beyond that, I don't think there's, there's, any, I don't think there's any other surprises really, is there? No, not really. I was surprised to see George Thomas in there. I, I, I spoke to a, a mate of mine who's a QPR fan, uh, O's, if he, if he's listening, and he said he's been kind of starting at right wing back for them, but and has not really kind of been excelling. So I was surprised that he was in it. But I, I agree with you. Jeff Cott was the main one. Um, I thought. I wonder whether Thomas is in as much for just because for, for exactly that point that he can play, he can cover a few positions. If there's there's some other injuries that that folks are, are carrying, aren't they? Which I'm sure I'm sure we'll get to some of the questionable players that are in yeah. the squad. Um, and I just wonder whether his his sort of adaptability meant that with three games coming up, you know, close together, whether he was just worth dropping into the 27 for that reason. Um, yeah, no, I, that makes sense. It's just, uh, I don't know, a, a, a difficult, a, an odd one, I, I did think. Um, I, I would have thought if, if Tom Lawrence wasn't carrying his injury, he would have just, that would have, he would have just been in that position. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, 
I, I suppose the big one really it looks like is going to be that Ramsey looks like he's going to miss out again as well. Yeah. Um, again, I think that's the key. That's the key word. I mean, when when you start thinking about the number of games he's missed, and you know, he's he's probably I don't know missed forty odd forty odd games while he's been acquiring his his sixty odd caps and. I think I've, I've got to a point where I'm just thankful he's made both of the tournaments that we've qualified for. When you look at the sort of probability based on the number of games he's missed, it is a little bit of a miracle that he's he's been able to play in both tournaments and all the games. And I think I think I'm at the point where I'm just grateful that that's happened, and I'm 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 just rolling with the with the rest of it. It's been a positive start to the season for him. I think the situation at Juve is kind of you know, has changed in his favour. Um, playing that slightly deep, more deep line midfield role that, that they're using him for. Yeah. You know, perhaps that's the way his game's going. Um, I think if he was going to miss any of the, the three windows this autumn, this is the one we've, you know, you'd, you'd say, okay, well, if, you go, if you're going to miss one, miss this one. Um, I think it is what it is at the minute, unfortunately. Yeah, I do wonder if if this had been, you know, Belgium and Czech Republic doubleheader, for example, whether they may have kind of taken the chance on him and tried to get him ready and get him through. And because of, you know, all due respect to Belarus and Estonia, it is Belarus and Estonia. So is it worth risking him pissing off Juventus and whatever else, um, you know, for, for, for two games that, if we're being honest, we, we don't need him for, in inverted commas? Yeah, that's my feeling. I think given the positive start this season, I think we're better off letting him be at Juve, let them feel they've got control of his medical situation, let him do a bit more training there and just just chalk it off, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's the that's the main thing. Um to go with this, we've uh been asked a question. Uh which is is it time, especially in these friendlies, for us to be looking at giving people game time if they've not been playing, as in uh, Joe Rodden, for example? Or should we be looking at the friendly as an opportunity to get, uh, you know, give others who aren't going to play in the main games, if you like, an an opportunity to play? That was from Mike Jones. I think Rodden's an interesting one because the the latest news out of Spurs was that he, he might not be ready for these games or at least not ready for the for next Wednesday's friendly. Um, so I, I think it's an interesting case because he's so vital to us. He could be going into that, potentially about the Belarus game, very cold. Um, I think I, I think for this round of games, it kind of makes sense to use the friendly as a way to perhaps, if there's someone that you know you want to play in the competitive games and Rodden would be the example although he's you know it, this might not be the case because of his what he's carrying but let's just use him as an example if you've got someone that you know is going to be fairly central to your competitive games and has had very little playing time then I can see the purpose of perhaps giving them a half in the in yeah. the friendly games yeah. um you know I do like if, if we want to use it um, James Lawrence is um, started the most recent Bundesliga two game, but 
himself is obviously coming back from the injury that kept him the Euros. So there's a few of them like that have been playing a not a lot. And I think if you knew if you know they're going to be fairly vital in the in the competitive games, then a half a half might be valuable. But equally you don't want to overdo it either. You don't want them going from nothing to three games in a week either. So I think you, I think you, it's an interesting balance there. And I think in some respects it depends a lot on the on the the different players. I think Rodden, for example, you could possibly throw into three games, where I think Ampadu, you might have to manage his time more consciously. Yeah, I think Ampadu is one of the ones I was I was thinking of, actually. Um, he, because he, he often seems a bit, I don't know if fragile is the right word, but sort of fragile. Um, so I think we need to manage that. Rodden, I think, feels like the kind of guy who would be able to play a game tomorrow if you wanted him to. So it is difficult. And I suppose it's interesting as well. Bale obviously has been starting for Real. So, you know, normally we'd be looking at getting him game time. And now it's maybe the other way around a little bit where we're saying, well, actually, do we need to give him any game time in the Finland game? Um, So it's a really interesting one. And to go with that as well, um, I'm intrigued in what you think Gawar in France has asked um, about Tyler Roberts. Do you think this Finland game might be a good opportunity for him to get game time? Because I, I know you and I have talked about him before. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna slag him off. Uh, you'll be relieved to know, listeners. But I think there comes a time, and I'm not suggesting he shouldn't be in the squad, but there comes a time where he needs to f- perform for us. And I suppose if he's going to do that, he needs to have more than you know the odd game here and there, and a, you know, and a ten-minute cameo appearance. So I wonder if this Finland game, especially with Ramsey not there, is his his opportunity to be the the number ten, false nine, whatever, however we're going to play, um, and see if he can finally kind of have that breakthrough for Wales. Well, I, to go back what we were talking about a few minutes ago, if the option to key for more is Ty Roberts. And I realise that's far from a direct, you know, one for the other. But if if our scenario is it's not go, it's not going well with more or he's injured or more likely suspended. And Tyler Roberts is what we'll do next. And you've got to give him some opportunities. And and clearly the Finland game is the upcoming opportunity. Um, he's he's getting game time with Leeds, but he's not getting a huge amount of game time with Leeds. And I think I think it's very difficult to expect a player to deliver in crucial games if you haven't given them some sort of framework in which to um, establish their play and and you know integrate with with the remainder of the, the probable starting eleven. No, I agree with you. And I guess it kind of raises the question about consistency in general, really, doesn't it? Like, do we need to be picking players who are playing for their clubs? Or are we kind of too small a nation in that sense, in terms of numbers, to be able to be making those sorts of decisions? Like, if Joe Morrell doesn't play for his club, he shouldn't be playing for Wales. But if he doesn't play for Wales, uh, then who does? Because there's actually not that many players in his position who are playing regular football. So it is a bit of a difficult one, really, isn't it? And especially for Paige and uh, and for Alan Nil now, who someone else will come on to in a minute. But um, it's a difficult kind of question, and I'm not sure if it's something that needs to be explained or clarified, or we just need to kind of take it as it is. I think we, in some respects we have to roll with this. I think there are some players who are so important for us that what's happening at their club 
their respective clubs wouldn't doesn't really matter. I mean, we've seen evidence of that with Bale over the last couple of years, where if he wasn't running out for Real Madrid, it didn't really affect whether we played him or not. Obviously, he wanted him to be fit and healthy and ideally match fit, but it wasn't going to prevent us picking him. There are other players. Um, Real might be an example where, you know, if you're looking for a partner for Joe Allen, all things being equal and people playing games, Ampadu would probably be top of that list. But Ampadu seems to be one of those players that does need to be playing. Um, Matt Smith gets has been getting regular game time. Morel's playing time at Plymouth is increasing. So at that point, I think your game time might become a question. Like who's actually just fit to go and I think at this point in the season, it perhaps has more um, more impact than it will, say, if we were discussing this in November. But I I think the starting 11 that we ended up playing in the Euros, Ampadu aside, is probably the starting 11 that most of us were going for and would probably go for going forward. Now, obviously, there's some injuries and, and a suspension in Wilson's case that affects that. But I, I don't think that that sort of baseline starting 11 is, is going to, would be very different now, if at all different now, regardless of where people were at with their club playing time, assuming that everybody's, everybody's been healthy. You know, obviously we're, we're down. Um, Connor Roberts as an example but I think I don't think at this point in the season people's game time really becomes an issue uh, No I would agree with that and I think um, my ultimate thing is like I don't think you know we're arguing whether Morel should play instead of let's say Volks who didn't make the squad and I we've talked about that a load of times so I, we don't need to do that again but let's say for argument's sake you wanted to say well Volks is, isn't really playing either but maybe he should be in the squad over someone else the reality is, if we're being quite black and white about it, is that Morel and, let's say, Volks, in terms of what you get from one compared to the other, relatively, they're about the same standard, I would say. In the same way that if you're arguing about whether Gunter shouldn't be in, but, I don't know, uh, someone else should be in a, a right back, ultimately the argument is relatively null and void in my view because the replacement is no better or worse really than Gunter. And I think the reality is we've just got to kind of mesh it together. And it is frustrating sometimes, and I, I kind of feel that um, in terms of consistency. But I, I do think it also, and I, I was going to say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter is not the right way to say it. But I, I don't think it makes that much of a difference in the end because there's not actually that many alternatives available for us. Um, I mentioned Alan Nil there. Um, I can't. I've just looked at the time. We're 27 minutes into this, and we haven't even really talked about the Finland game. We're off. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I think, yeah, I, I was wondering what your view was on the Alan Nil appointment. I think the Nil situation is interesting because I'm not sure we have a great deal else we could be doing. Really, obviously, the whole situation is umbrellaed by. Biggs' legal situation. His contract is up in January. I would hope the FAW are not looking to extend it. 
So in terms of getting a an assistant uh, assistant coach to help Paige, you can only really offer someone these autumn internationals probably March as well because things would have to go wildly awry for us not to be at least playing in playoff games in March but really from a kind of contract point you've only got these autumn internationals on the table um, we could be looking for a whole new coaching team by the by the spring um, and so I think there's too much uncertainty and too sort of narrow window there really for you to to be looking at someone that you might think of as a stellar assistant coach coming in and and, and joining under these circumstances you know this was I'm sure there are people that are interested in this going forward but then they're not going to going to jump at something which is which is literally a kind of eight week term um so to be honest as long as Paige comfortable with him and feels he can deliver what he's looking for I, I think it is what it is through November I mean they've said that he'll be in post up until the end of this campaign which leads me to believe that obviously that that will be the same for Paige um yeah I mean I think it's obviously if we've got games in March and if we qualify for the World Cup then kind of this team would roll forward at that point. But in terms of what you can actually put on the table at the minute, this campaign could be over in November. Do you not feel like it's a missed opportunity, though? Because that's my takeaway from this. Like, I wrote a blog about this recently, uh, saying that I found the whole thing quite underwhelming. And I feel like I was maybe a bit too harsh in the way I kind of had a bit of back and forth with people on, on Twitter. Because my example was, you know, if I told you that the manager was going to be the Port Vale, the failed Port Vale and new uh, uh, Northampton manager, and he was going to be assisted by the man who'd been fired from Torquay and Scunthorpe, you wouldn't be kind of doing somersaults. And I, and I say those, and I recognise that's harsh, but I, I think that for me, in in the in the sense that it is a short term thing, is there not something else we could do there? that is a bit more inventive or has a longer term benefit so for example I know and I don't know where how good a coach he is or what but Ashley Williams for example is uh, coaching one of the age group teams I think he's responsible for he's involved in the 17s I think he's involved somewhere anyway would that not be an opportunity short term to get someone like him in where you're saying this is going to be good valuable experience for you moving forward because, like you say, it may only be an eight-week job, and instead, we've we've kind of taken an option on someone who we probably wouldn't have chosen anyway. Is is there because he's available, and is it is still un, I still maintain is an underwhelming uh, appointment anyway. So it's it's very very. Uh, I just feel like it's a missed opportunity to do something like that with someone like an Ashley Williams or others who are doing their coaching badges or want to be involved. I feel like it was perhaps a a window that we've we've missed. If Ashley, I'm just using Ashley Williams as an example. If he wasn't involved with the FAW, I would say yes, we missed an opportunity. But he's up, he's he's he is involved, and there's nothing to say that he would be a better number two than Neil. They've got you know, if anything, Alan Neil's experience on paper is better. So I think 
I just think we don't we didn't have a great deal of choice, Dave, with the with the very constrained situation we're looking at, and the and and the, the complications. And it may be, you know, it it might be, for example, that there are clubs that that are just saying, look, we just we just don't need more um, people having to leave our bubble because of you know everything that's going on this fall um yeah we just we just don't we don't need to be we don't want to be without you for the for the whatever it is eight weeks so i think i think there are so many complications in this in these few months that kind of restrict the choices that I'm at a point where if it's someone that Paige feels he can work with, then I think that's about as good as we're going to get at the minute. I just, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right, I suppose. It, you know, I hadn't thought of the, you know, other people not releasing people and whatever. That's, that is true. Um, I just, I don't know. I understand I, what you're saying. It is, it is underwhelming, but I'm not sure we'd have done anything. We had options that you might consider as better in the sense of something a little more headline grabbing. I don't I don't think there were, under the present sort of some circumstances, I don't think there were people that would be interested in this in this role with the with the constraints that are on it at the minute. I just think my my ultimate big worry about the whole kind of situation is and and a lot of it stems and I've said it before and I'll say it again from Giggs being selfish in this instance he is hamstringing a lot of this or making the FAW hamstrung whatever the expression is and th- those are problems that he could solve tomorrow and he's being selfish because he's he knows at this point he's not going to get the job back he just wants to get paid and wants to protect his reputation and in in my view I I think he's that is to the detriment of the FAW anyway because of his selfishness in my opinion I think we are at a point where this could accidentally dominate what we what happens for Wales in in the next like two or three years. For example, let's say we come third in this qualifying group. That to me is you know we we could and maybe should be doing better than that. So we come third in the group, but we get through. We qualify for the World Cup through the playoff route. Is that is that as the manager done well there? I suppose we've qualified, so it doesn't matter, but then we've qualified over two games rather than taking into account the other eight or ten or whatever it is. So uh, I, I just worry that we're going to get to a position there where we're just like, well, we've qualified now, we have to give him another contract or this does roll on for another for another two years or whatever. And we're kind of stuck in relative limbo because things relatively are going well my point is is that could things be going better than they are um and i think that's the thing for me is that i think because of the appointments we've had to make there is a a percentage of improvement that is available in my view which we're not accessing because of our management team does that make sense no i can i can i can see the concern um but I I don't think that FAW for the reasons that you were outlining this this hinges on on Giggs's selfishness. I don't think there is options at the minute that would 
get us sort of further down the road. I, I think we we have to ride this out in the short term and hope that it's enough to get to the World Cup. And I don't like the fact that it feels like we're hoping, but I don't see alternatives. I guess so, and I suppose I don't want to labour the point here either. I've, uh, you know, I've had my little. I've had my little tantrum about it, so I will. Uh, I will move on. Let's actually talk about the the bloody football, Ruth. What <laughs> what what a novel idea into our on our football podcast to actually talk about the football thirty six minutes in. Um, I obviously we said we're not going to kind of do dwell too much on the Finland game uh, because we've obviously already talked about the consistency there. I think the key thing that we need to get at really is that we get through that game. No one really gets injured. The result fundamentally doesn't matter, and people who we want to see or the manage, management team sorry rather than we want to see um get opportunities to do stuff and i'm thinking tyler roberts would would be there for me maybe um be looking at uh trying the alternatives out in different positions so you know nico williams hasn't really played maybe this will be a good opportunity for him to get some game time maybe george thomas if he is going to be looked at as a, as a right wing back option then maybe this would be a good time could reese norrington davis get some game time in there as well those are the sort of players we're looking at here really right i think the finland game is really just a matter of us having to see out the fixture um we might take the opportunity maybe to try Tyler Roberts, Brennan Johnson as a as a pairing up front. See what that what that brings. Um, probably see Harry Wilson just because he's suspended for the Belarus game. Uh, I agree. I think it makes sense to have someone like Nico Williams get some some time in because we'll probably need him in the competitive games, and he's he's basically not played. Uh, so I think it's. It might actually be quite a useful, friendly game at this at this point. If we, you know, given we've got to have the three fixtures, I think I think it will actually serve serve a purpose. Yeah, even if it's just for kind of game time, uh, that's the that's the main thing, I suppose. Um, to, to, we kind of said we want to focus more on the Belarus and Estonia games, like we said. So let's let's go to that and talk about the Estonia game, uh, the Belarus game. Sorry, I kind of didn't like in the press this week that Paige was talking about how difficult it is. Um, and I, you know, I recognise it's logistically tough, and they've had visas to sort and all this other stuff. I, I get that, and I'm I'm not belittling that. It is definitely a hard job. I just don't like that we're kind of using excuses early doors and say, you know, this is hard, and we've had to travel here, and I kind of don't really like that excuse mentality. If that's if that's the right thing to say, so um, yeah, I just wondered what you thought about that before we kind of talk about the game itself. Um, I, I mean, I can see how for the FAW it's logistically complicated. Um, it, that shouldn't affect the players, though. I mean, I, I, you know, that's a, those are tasks for the, the background team, and, and I appreciate that. I'm sure they're, they're running around in circles trying to tick all the necessary boxes at the minute. Um, Kazan in, in Russia, it's, it's further than Minsk in Belarus, but it's not hugely further it's about an hour and a half further flight from cardiff yeah so it's you're not, not talking about suddenly you're playing in kazakhstan um we have chosen to have an away friendly in finland um on the wednesday i mean i'm, I'm sure there weren't a huge number of choices um available for, for that game but we 
probably could have found someone that wanted to play in Cardiff. Um, so I, I think we've got to be careful that we're not complaining about issues that we've at least played a part in. Yeah, that's a good point. As well. Um, I think... I don't know if it's being considered to actually go to Helsinki and, and stop in Helsinki and then go and then go on to the game in um, Kazan, whether with COVID the way it is, people, you know, you just want to keep people in the bubble at the Vale or, I, you know, you, you could cut down the travel time by doing that, whether it's, whether it's thought to be more problematic than it were whether it really plays a, a part yeah. i think players are so used to having to travel distances for games these days that i don't I, I can't see that going to the sort of western edge of russia is is such a terrible thing really i mean it could, the geography could be a whole lot worse yeah, and I think the likelihood, like you said there, the Wednesday, Sunday, Helsinki to Kazan, I don't know whether that's a possibility. It might well be, but um, to, to, to kind of look at the game itself, um, I mean, I've, I did a little bit of watching this afternoon and looked at Belarus's previous games. They got beaten quite heavily by uh, the Belgians, 8-0, their record defeat recently. They also beat Estonia 4-2. Uh, Estonia kind of gave them actually quite a good game and were down to... They had a man sent off when it was 2-2 with about 15 minutes to go and Belarus scored two late goals. I think they're definitely going to give us opportunities. Um, I think the gap... They were, I noticed in their defensive line, big gaps between their two centre-halves in both games. Um, and I think that the the two goals both came from crosses as well um, that they conceded against Estonia. So and they were also very lucky to get the penalty um, to equalise at one one as well. It looked like it looked like a dive to me. It didn't look like a penalty. So they're definitely defensively very weak. They do look to play long balls, um, and, and and Estonia very similar in that sense. They kind of look to utilise set set plays. So I do think it's going to be quite a physical game. I think both of them are going to be quite physical, but I think they are going to have gaps in their defence and that is a definitely, you know, that's something I saw in, in both of those games, the both highlights that I watched. So um, it, it's it's definitely a game where I think we need to be pressing them high up the pitch, make them make mistakes, turn the ball over in their half of the pitch, um, kind of repress home our advantage and, and, you know, make sure really that by half time, ideally, the game is, is, is home and hosed. It does sound like their style of play will actually suit our style of play. You know, maybe we get a bit direct, utilise more, uh, uh, get him being a bit physical, use him and our central D off corners and free kicks and, you know, just sort of, as you said, press them a bit, get them unsettled. They're going to be without the bulk of their fans. So I think we can... We can actually turn the geography into an advantage for us, particularly if we if we get them on the back early. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I think it's going to be an interesting game as well because they have quite an inexperienced squad. Looking at their recent selections, there's two players in, you know, one on 28 caps, one on 33, and then everything else is a lot of people in single-figure caps, um, a lot of people, you know, not many goals. I think the, the top goal scorer in the squad at the moment has only scored four goals. They're 89th in the world, I think. Um, you know, they are they are going to be a challenge because I think they are going to be quite physical. But I also think we're in a, in a situation here where we need to kind of, like I say, 
press press our advantage, take ex- take uh, advantage of their lack of experience, and and just make sure that this does not become a a draining encounter as these sort of Wales games classically can do, where we end up scoring once in the 89th minute, and uh, and that is the thing that kind of gets us through. I think we need to make sure that we kind of pushed um, uh, the advantage home. Looking at Ramsey missing, do you think then, as a consequence, Tyler Roberts will come in? I think I would favour bringing in Brooks. I'm probably play Bale a bit more centrally. I know it's not his best position, but I, I think I would rather have Brooks than Roberts in this situation, at least perhaps at the start of the game, um, where a bit of speed might be useful. I think if we have to kind of muscle it up a bit more later in the game, then Brooks might not be the best for that. But I, I think I'd be looking at a a James Brooks Bale keeper more kind of four to start with in this game. Yeah, I think that's what will happen as well. I think we're probably looking at Alan and Ampadu or Alan and Morell as the holding midfielder, depending on how they kind of see the fitness wise. Um, and then equally, um, I think the defence is going to be where it's going to be the most interesting selections. Um, I think we're going to be looking at Danny Ward is obviously kind of going to deserve his start although Wayne Hennessy played very well for Burnley last night in goal uh, against Newcastle obviously um, so yeah it's it sounds like someone's being shot in the background here Ruth I hope I hope everyone is okay um, it's, it's, it's actually someone with a huge um, like mallet going something in their garden <laughs> Well, as long as no one's been shot, that is my uh, that is my main concern. We do not want this to turn into it was a dog podcast at the start. I don't think we can deal with it being a murder podcast uh, for the second half. Um, yeah, I, I think the centre halves are going to be the most interesting one because Rodden will obviously normally start. He's we're not sure about him. Obviously, Cabango's not there, so I'm intrigued to th- to see who you think will start as the two centre halves. I think it would be Mepham, and then I would probably go for James Lawrence, but he's only started one game, I think, for for Sam Howley. So he's he's you know coming back from, as we were saying, what kept him out of the Euros. So depending on his fitness, then it might be a matter of in Lockyer. But I think in some respects, it's what you were saying earlier. It becomes a bit of a much for muchness at at that point. Um, so for me, it would be Mepham out. And I'd probably favour Lawrence. I wonder if we might end up putting Mepham there, obviously, and but putting Ben Davis at centre-half, putting Nico Williams at left-back, and then Gunter can play right-back. Or even Gunter coming in and playing centre-half um, was, was the other alternative, I thought, because he has done that, admittedly, as part of a three. But, um, yeah, I, I just... That's, a, that's, definitely, that's definitely an option, I think. Um, I'd, I'd favour Ben Davies being pulled in and put Reese Norrington Davis on the left. But I think I think there's definitely permutations there that um, that, that mean... I, I can see the plus about having Davies on the inside because I, I think his experience comes more of an asset then. Yeah. I would agree. That would be my choice. I would go Mepham and, and, and Ben Davis there for me. Um, to 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 do our favourite thing, Ruth, that we have not done for a while, would you care to venture a prediction for this game? I'm going 2-0 for us. Oh, straight in there. Normally you kind of, you, you spend 30 seconds procrastinating and, and te- you know, <laughs> telling me that you don't like doing this, but you're straight in there. Um, 
I, I still don't like doing it. <laughs> I, I think it will be. I've got a, the. Go I've got the feeling it might be quite a heavy weather game. Unfortunately, I can I can see us making a meal of this one. Yeah, that's that was that's my concern. I think we'll win it one nil. I think we will make a meal of it a little bit. Um, but you know, an early goal, and I think that kind of changes the game. So that's the main thing for me is is making sure we get that early goal. Um, to to look at the Estonia game. Um, I think it's really, really important. I just want to reference one thing before we start. But hopefully, your man in the background is uh, is going to be finished being shot uh, by the time I've, I've finished. Um, is is that, that people are talking about this should be a sellout and you know this this that and the other about Wales fans, blah blah blah. I think it's worth pointing out that yes, you know we, we haven't gone to people haven't gone to a game for a long, long time, and there's lots of kind of variables and people have missed it and all this other stuff i do think it's worth pointing out that this is a i think it's a tuesday night game in cardiff it's a night kickoff um so that's not easy for people for example who would travel down from north wales perhaps equally i think you're looking at um a lot of people who are still kind of wary about being in a big group environment like that post-corona some people may not have been fully vaccinated yet or don't feel comfortable or or don't want to go to a big place like that and, and go and then risk you know taking covid back to their parents so I, I if it's not a sellout on on that tuesday i think i think it's really important that we remember there is a much bigger picture at hand here so just to, to say you dealing with this on twitter the the game is on the wednesday <laughs> um I, I do think your point about um People being uncertain is is very valid. I, I mean, a, a midweek evening game is is a problem for folks coming down from North Wales for a start. And under normal circumstances, they're a decent chunk of your um, of your home crowd. Uh, you know, those people would be committing to coming down on buses or a train, or, or you know, they're, they're adding the travelling element to their COVID uncertainties as well. Um, I do understand people being being hesitant. I mean, I'm. I have tickets to a big American football game here in a few weeks' time, and and I'm I'm hesitant about going, um, and I I think it's understandable that people um, people don't want to risk it at this point. For you know, it's not a decisive game. It's a game we we should win comfortably. You know, the home the need for the kind of the red wall home crowd is perhaps. Certainly not what it will be when we're facing Belgium, for example. So I think if people are in any way hesitant, you have to understand that and appreciate it. No, I I, I, I totally agree. Out of interest, what uh, what NFL game are you going to? No, it's not NFL. It's a, it's a college game. Oh, it's, college I'm going game. to watch the uh, going to watch the Oregon Ducks, um, which is might not mean anything to many listeners, but the, those with American connections will understand the, the size of those big college games. <laughs> Because uh, am I right in saying that their stadium's amazing? Is, is, is there's the stadium that's right by the water? Is that is that them? It's next to the river, but I don't think it's. Um, I think you might be thinking of the Washingtons that's right, that's more on the water. Yeah, uh, I think that is what I'm thinking of. Actually, um, yeah. So to to go back to the game itself, I think it's uh, you know one of these games like you said there. I think where we've got to press home our advantage. There again, they were quite a physical team from from what I've seen. Um, certainly didn't like defending crosses um i think three of the four goals that belarus scored came from crosses or set plays in one way shape or form 
Um, obviously, and they conceded a penalty as well. So I think that's something that's going to be big. And I think as a, as a, as a consequence of that, Kiefer Moore will obviously have a, a big, big role to play. Um, I mean, they haven't won a competitive game in something like, I think it's 17 games. They've won some friendlies over the summer in June in the build-up to the Euros. It's obviously didn't play, but I think it was something like 17 competitive games, um, which says a lot. They've conceded 10 goals in their last two games against the Belarusians and the Czechs, who they conceded six to. Um, I feel like, you know, we don't want to underestimate them, but this is a this is a game where we've just got to be very professional, I think, haven't we? Just kind of go out, do what is required of us, and get out of there. Yeah, I think um, the, 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 the third game, you know, people's playing time might become more of a factor than the wear and tear of the journeys might become more of a factor. I think it might be a slightly changed up team, but obviously Estonia at home is, is the game you'd want to face under those circumstances. I think, as you say, it's, if we're having trouble beating Estonia at home, then we don't deserve to get anything out of the group. So I think it's just a matter of, as you say, getting our heads down and getting through it at that point. Yeah, I mean, they've obviously got three fixtures here as well, but they are playing a friendly against Northern Ireland in between. Um, so they've got Belgium first, I think it is. Yes, they're at home to Belgium. Then they have a home friendly against Northern Ireland and then they come to Wales. So... Um, I think that you know. I, I wonder if maybe if 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 Belgium can put eight past Belarus. I wonder how many they'll put past Estonia. Maybe they might be a bit kind of deflated by that point. You know, their, their campaign is all but over at this point already, anyway. So I wonder if that might kind of deflate them a little bit. I mean, you know, I would like to think that we wouldn't need these things to to be the case to kind of get us across the line. But I, I you know, I do think they may kind of play into it a little bit. Yes, I mean, I think we've. I mean, we've suffered from that. On occasion, and uh, and and I th- I think it's hard when you when you can see the group flowing away from you to you know to keep your heads up and it'll be the third of third of a quick run of games for them and you know they're they're playing just to help their seeding really aren't they and I I think there's a you know I've, I've been we've been in that position enough ourselves to know, to know that it's not a nice place to be yeah I I, I totally agree and I think you know whilst they do look a threat there's a, a guy. Whom uh, I think is how you say his name is is kind of their their goal getter if you like up front. So they definitely do carry a threat. I think um, scored two very decent finishes. Um, yeah, but I wonder if I wonder if this could be a chance where we're talking about again t- someone like a Tyler Roberts um, coming into this sort of scenario, and maybe this is it where where we're looking at thinking right. If you're going to get your first goal for us, mate, you know come in here half an hour to go with the game already won hopefully and and see what you can get yeah yeah um so to conclude predictions wise for this one what are you saying i think i'm going to go two nil on this one as well actually Okay, I was going to go 2-0 on this one as well. So um, that is proof, if proof were needed, ladies and gentlemen, that the score will definitely not be 2-0 <laughs> to Wales. Um, the one other thing I wanted to just mention quickly before we go is the, the kind of group situation, the overall situation. I think it's interesting Belgium play the Czech Republic during this window. Um, they've got Estonia, like I mentioned, the Czech Republic, 
and they are away to, to Belarus as well. So the, the Belgians have quite a, a kind of hectic three-game schedule. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously the Czechs uh, have a friendly. They have the two games one after the other. Um, they've got Belarus at home and then, like I said, the, the Belgium away game and then the, the Ukraine game. So it's an interesting little setup, I think, here because you'd like to think that we'll get six points. It would be great if Belgium, the Czech Republic, was a, was a draw because then we're kind of in a, in a position here where we would be in a, in a solid point in the group. Um, looking at it, we would end up, if you know, that kind of all went that way, we'd have nine points. Um, Belgium would still be top of the group, but we would be in the second place, but it would kind of also be in our hands. We would have two games in hand um, on... Uh, on Sorry, yeah, two games in hand on the Belgians so and one game in hand on the Czechs. So it kind of becomes a very interesting situation. And again, we could be kind of looking at this with the Belgium game at home to come, Belarus and Estonia still to play. Admittedly, the difficult Czech game, but we kind of would be going into these last few games with this, with everything kind of very much in our hands in terms of giving us a great opportunity to top the group. Yeah, I mean, I think topping the group is still a big ask. But, oh, of course. Um, I, I, think all, I think all we can do at this point is try and take, is try and take our three our three points away and three points at home and, and just keep our, our sort of command of our what we're doing. Obviously, some, some results can further afield can help us with that. But I, I think at this point, we've just got to get our six points out of this window. I think the way the windows have fallen, the fact that, that Belgium are having to play three games because they've got the Nations League thing in the, in the October window, um, I, I do think as these sorts of things go, the actual sort of flow of the group is about as good as for. So I think we just got to, we've just got to try and maximise what we can, which very clearly means taking six points in this. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any question here that six points and six points alone is, 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 is all that is acceptable, I think, at this point. Um, just wanted to mention one final thing, which is if you do want to go and you haven't got tickets yet, they are still tickets available. Um, equally, if you are interested in going to the Wales women game uh, against Kazakhstan, uh, which is in Llerli, then they are those tickets are on sale as well. So please get involved in that. It's a Friday night game, which I think would be a lot of fun uh, a little bit later in September. We will obviously be covering that a little bit closer to the time, but uh, I just wanted to mention that um, as, uh, as, as we go on. So yeah, please do kind of keep an eye out for that. Uh, get tickets if you can and if you want to. Um, but yeah, I think Ruth, that is uh, that is us, is there? I think is there anything else you wanted to say? No, just wish the lads luck, of course, and um, very uh, just for those folks that are going down to Cardiff for the game. Hope you have a safe, safe journey, safe, uh, safe game, and that uh, you get to cheer cheer them on to a nice win. Absolutely, absolutely. So good luck to the boys. I hope uh, I hope we are talking about six points when we uh, when we reconvene. We will be recording a podcast after the games are finished. So yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to the games and uh, come on, the boys. And it's good to be back, Ruth. It's good to be back doing this with you. Yes, yes. Admittedly, I thought I enjoyed the break, but it's nice to be back. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we we you know when we started doing this podcast, we had the fire brigade um, going off in our in our bar in jp quite a lot today we have had um a dog a uh, some sort of air air uh, leaf blower thing someone mowing their lawn 
someone sounding like they were shooting someone and someone uh, hammering nails into wood, traffic noise. We have had the full everything. We had a loud motorbike at the start disrupting things. So, you know, we are very much back to our, uh, to our best. Uh, well, there you go then, ladies and gentlemen. We will leave you there. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, it's good to be back. Enjoy the games, and we will speak to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye.